Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food Revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Tim Amlaw of Pure Harvests Food to talk about his experience with urban farming hydroponic vegetables. Tim is an urban agrarian from a farm and an agriculture education training and background. He has dedicated his life to building farmer-based systems and programs to improve agriculture, humane care of animals, and now local urban agriculture. His current endeavor is Pure Harvests Food and the Project Arizona Urban Organic Veggie, rejuvenating vacant land in the city with scaled vegetable production and training a local workforce to meet all of the community's fresh vegetable needs. How cool is that? Welcome to the show today, Tim. Thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? 
Yeah, I think it's a long path. Uh, I come from an agricultural family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually we actually settled in North America in 1608, so we've been doing something wow. around uh, sust- sustainable farming for a very, very long time. My personal background is ag education, so I've been an educator at the high school, college, and uh, and the state level doing things around farming, and particularly looking at uh, farm integration relative to new technologies such as computers. I had the first computers in an ag classroom in any ag classroom in the country. There were first 24K machines from Apple Computer. And actually oh, on the nice. Steve. Yeah, I was on the phone with Steve Jobs Weekly talking about how computers were going to be the future, and I'm not sure I believed it at that time. That was probably a stupid decision on my part, but... Uh, <laughs> I certainly utilize them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've always looked at technology as being the uh, the way agriculture will always see continuous improvement. Oh, and yes. uh, and yeah. that's, that's really what this project is all about. Pure Harvest Foods was founded a couple of years ago, and it really came out of um, a concept that uh, I felt uh, was a little challenging in our current systems of production where we were uh, really putting a lot of chemicals into our production systems, a lot of pesticides, a lot of herbicides, in order oh, to yeah. have the, the, the abundance of food that we certainly enjoy. Uh, but those were uh, potentially creating some, uh, certainly consumer resistance, as well as some potential health issues, mm-hmm. uh, which are now all, we, all, all being examined, you know, in more oh, uh, thoroughness today. Exactly. So, so, and and our current project is the project in Arizona uh, called Arizona Urban Organic Veggie. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that project is all about is really about growing at scale local vegetable production, so that the complete community can have access to uh, fresher and more nutritious vegetables. And we're focused on leafy greens, so we're really focused on four types of lettuces, a romaine, uh, butter lettuce, and a red and green leafy uh-huh. uh, lettuce. Mm-hmm. So those are our four production systems. But our current system that we're ready to deploy in the Phoenix area is uh, we'll roughly produce about 7 million heads of lettuce per annum. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's, it's pretty scaled production. Uh, but it really is geared to that underserved and food desert populations uh-huh. of Phoenix so that they can have access to, uh, I think, a better product. Right. And that's kind of one of our our underlying, uh, you know, terms that we use, better farms for better food. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just think that that's part of the new uh, growth in local urban farming that's going to take place all over the country, and, and this is uh, our initiative into that um, into that uh, sector. So, seven million heads of lettuce—that's a lot of lettuce. That's a lot of lettuce. That's a lot of lettuce. <laughs> but it's you know, in reality, probably for, you know, local. So, so we've done a big consolidating move, right? For for a lot of reasons, and uh-huh. good reasons, right? We've consolidated production around the country, but currently, about ninety percent of all of our lettuce comes from is the, produced fifty uh, percent of the year in Yuma, Yuma Arizona, yeah, and fifty and fifty percent of the year in the Central Valley. Uh, oh, those California. production systems yeah. are 
Yeah, those production systems are coming under challenge right now because of water and Mm -hmm. heat, you know, the outside environments. We, in our urban farming method, uh, we've created a proprietary turnkey system uh, that actually we control the complete environment of the growing systems. And so we have no seasonality effects. So Mm -hmm. we grow it year-round. We do weekly harvests. So it's the freshest product that you could possibly get on a year-round basis. Wow. How cool is that? And so 7 million heads, though, I still want to go back to that, in the Phoenix metropolitan area, right? That's correct, yeah. So Well, and we have 4.4 million people here, so I guess that was 7 million heads a year would be just a small drop in the bucket of how much lettuce we would need here in Phoenix, Arizona, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we see a lot of growth and scaling, but it was really, you know, I I got the number really from the 12% of the population that basically is underserved, uh-huh. which was a, tar- a target of about 300,000, so about 10% right. maybe of the population. Um, and that's where we, we thought should be our first objective is to really go after that that uh, 10% need and then we can grow from there you know we we think once people experience it they're going to want more so demand will definitely go up and there's a lot of other farmers in the valley looking for local projects so we're very supportive of all of the community's efforts to bring local food to the marketplace so your project though it sounds like it, it wants to be more holistic than just lettuce are, do you have plans moving into the future to, you know, to grow yeah, food that, other than just lettuce? Yeah, yeah, I do. But you have to realize too that in hydroponics, mm-hmm. uh, the use of LED lights is still relatively new. Even though hydroponics has been around, you know, forty plus years, um, LED utilization in being able to cro- control the wavelengths of plant growth, you mm-hmm. know, from the seed to germination the final harvest is still uh, has a nuance to it right it still is a new science and mm-hmm. so a lot of the information in production on the production side is reasonably what we would call anecdotal right it doesn't have a lot of uh, statistical information that you can uh, you know just follow step one step two step three and have success right so there's a little bit of experimentation that has to take place and you want to step into that. So we've done a lot of plant testing. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a, a complete uh, pathology uh, testing facility that wow. we do all of our plant testing so that we can get our regulation of the nutrient uptakes that the plants need oh, to get to their different right. growth cycles, as well as uh, you know get to the point where we know exactly in the growth cycle of every varietal Mm-hmm. what the light spectrum is, you know, oh, from a red or a green right. or a blue that they need for each part of that growth cycle. And uh, and our growth cycle is pretty unique. Uh-huh. Um, we are producing a plant plug with a group out of uh, Tucson, Arizona, that will, they're, they're currently very uh, uh, prolific in doing grafted tomato plants for oh, transplanting. Oh, I've heard that. And, yeah, and they're going to do our transplant for us, and then we'll just go ahead and put those into our growing facility. Oh, so we can actually, our, our, our site specification for growing the plant is to a six-ounce plant. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's our goal, and we can produce that six ounce plant by our through our uh, control mechanisms basically in two weeks of growth. Oh my gosh! Um, so hold on, hold on, hold on, yeah, hold on. Yeah. You said you're you're yeah. growing a plant from a teeny plant start to a six ounce plant in that's two correct. weeks. That's correct. So wow. if you think about it, Greg, it's you've got you've got the plant plug that's going to take seven days from seed to germination and growth ready to transplant. Right. Then you're going to take the transplanted plug and put it into the growing houses, and and those houses again have 18 hours of light. Right. So it's oh, no longer yeah. just an uh, eight-hour outdoor yeah. kind right. of environment. Right. Mm-hmm. And by the way, in addition to that. They're getting they're getting direct access to nutrients as opposed to the roots having to sometimes go find the nutrients, right? right? Exactly. And, and so the nutrients is coming to the root system, and then in addition to that, you're controlling that that air movement and the complete environment, so you're always at the right temperature to optimize that growth of the plant. So we get to that six ounces because of all of those environments. Uh, of those controls of that environment that we can uh, superimpose through innovation and technology. Right. Wow. How cool is that? So you... I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I really think it's cool. I, I think when the community starts experiencing local produced vegetables at scale, where it's mm-hmm. totally accessible, and we can talk about that here in a minute, but we've chosen to look at where the the access points are currently right now we also want to work on new innovations and trying to create more access points right where people can actually source without going way out of their way to find a good a good head of lettuce right but uh but right now the biggest access points are your retailers right so that's where people mostly buy their their vegetables and certainly yeah, like their gross, lettuce your grocery stores yeah, we yeah. use Walmart as an example. Walmart service, you know, from a volume standpoint, they have 100 outlets here in Arizona. And out through their outlets, for instance, they service a big bulk of the population that needs this kind of freshness oh, yes. and quality. Right. And, and, and interestingly enough, the statistical numbers show that those people want to buy high-quality product, too, and fresher-quality product, regardless of their income, right? right. So they're... Their income stream is maybe ten thousand to thirty thousand dollars a year, but they have the, they have the same desires as anybody else in buying high quality food, mm-hmm. and uh, and we think that that's a great uh, starting point and access point for our project. Nice. So you've you've thrown out several terms that I want to go back and and uh, great kind of vi- revisit. You you said at scale twice. What does that mean? Well, you know, a lot of initiatives right now in local food are built around community gardens, which is really fantastic. They're right. built around farmers markets yep. as an outlet. And and so production is really not at the scale meaning that the bulk need, right? The biggest population need. Like you explained, I was targeting three hundred thousand people, but you explained there's four million people. Well if right. they all ate if all four million ate, which the USDA, by the by the way, recommends a couple heads of lettuce a week for every one of that four right. million. Oh, so my that's gosh. your yeah. So that's your production potential, but in reality, the scale is right now with 
with the current methods of producing food in mm-hmm. community gardens or other small-scale production in the local community, you know, we're still subject to the bigger bulk uh, uh, production systems that, like Yuma, does for half of the year. Right. And it's and you know, while Yuma is Arizona, it's not quite local. So right. a good statistic for people to understand and. And I use uh, I use uh, Walmart's numbers, but it, it, they average seven days from the time that that lettuce is uh, mm. is picked, let's say, yeah. uh-huh. to get it on their shelf. And a head of lettuce has about a 14 day life. You know, you can maybe extend it a little bit here or there, but right. uh, so you've you've chewed up half of the head of lettuce life in freshness. Uh, by distribution, mm-hmm. we produce a, we produce and harvest the same day. We pack the trucks and get it to their distribution uh, center probably the same day, so they can have it on their shelves in Arizona in forty eight hours, and that's unheard of right now. And yeah. uh, we think that freshness is going to add to that consumer enjoyment of the product. You know, let's face it: people eat food to enjoy it. They, you know, they eat it also because they need it nutritionally but right. they also if they don't enjoy it they don't eat it and they waste it right right exactly we know this we we know the statistics of waste uh, we waste about 40 some odd percent of our food currently now that's through all the systems of assembly and distribution and consumption right but uh but literally we think this really cuts down on waste it's the most sustainable production system we use 10 percent of the water that a typical head of lettuce in a field crop production uh, like Yuma would produce. So we think it's going to be better for the sustainability and water utilization in the future. Uh, Because we have such a short cycle uh, of of basically two weeks to harvest, uh, we don't use any pesticides. And because we have no organic matter, we don't use any herbicides. All right. Completely herbicide and pesticide free product mm-hmm. and we think that's going to be a added benefit uh, oh. that the consumers are going to enjoy yeah thanks and <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well and you know and the other thing is consumers have demonstrated over the last few years that organic is their is their preference yeah. i mean the, the demand yep. for organic is the fastest mm-hmm. growth in consumables and, uh, you know, the organic process is uh, somewhat complex. It's opening up now, uh, you know, to hydroponics. There's some, uh, there's some discussion about it, uh, uh, of whether or not we want to continue to leave hydroponics with an organic certification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- we think that that uh, argument through good science will... Uh, will sustain itself that it should be considered yeah. organic as long as your as long as your nutrient ingredients for the plant are from an organic source, source yeah and that's a, important and as long as you yeah as long as you do that uh we you know there are um you do get all of the microbacterial activity mm-hmm. within the root system oh, in a hydroponic yeah, yeah. nft system so you actually are not foregoing any of that, which is then the argument that you don't get the same as you do if you put it in the ground because right. of all that different natural uh, bacterial uh, components that are in the in the soil. But you actually get that um, you get that in hydroponics. There's some real interesting new publications out that talk about that at length. Yeah. So we we think that 
that having that fresh access is really what consumers want. I mean, they want to experience a really tasty head of lettuce, a tender head of lettuce, mm-hmm. and something that gives them an eating experience when they sit down and make their salads for their families or their friends. So we just think this is going to improve that. So It also brings a better, better nutritional profile to yeah. all those people that will have the access to it. Yeah, so that's that's kind of the road I wanted to go now down next, and that's you said you're getting the the lettuce or your, what you're growing from basically from the farm to the store in 48 hours. Why is that important? Well, it's significant, right, from the freshness standpoint. Mm-hmm. So nutrients, for instance, so all all products that you harvest start when you when you basically take the plant. So. Let's assume that most lettuce, you trim the roots off, right? So the minute you trim that roots off, you start what's considered a natural oxidation and enzyme activity in that plant to to decompose that plant, right? So in nature, when something dies, it decomposes, and that's that's what composting basically is, right? So Mm -hmm. it's a natural process that's already built in to the genetics of the plant. So that's why you get your life life expectancy of the plant at around 14 days. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, you oh, could extend yeah. it here or there. Right. But so what happens is, in this process is if you burn seven days of that normal plant life, one, you already got maybe some decomposition taking place. So you'll get right. you'll get some damage on the outside leaves, and so you have waste. So that's one uh, negative attribute. The second thing that you'll get is you probably get a, a little change in the actual quality, the eating quality of the leaf as it as it starts to decompose. Right. You know, it'll it'll get a, you know, in my opinion, it gets a little more what I consider rigor, right? Oh so yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, I bought a lot of heads of lettuce that are not lettuce anymore. They're really more <laughs> like celery. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's not a very scientific approach, but that's my opinion. But yeah. but the other aspect is that's really significant is is that you, in this whole kind of composting, natural composting of the plant life, you lose the nutrient value yeah. through oxidation. So really the plant important. nutrients start to really uh, go away. So, and you know, and listen, lettuce can be a really good source of some antioxidants and mm-hmm. certain types of plants are right. a little bit better. So so the, the the fresher you can eat that head of lettuce, uh, we used to say it in the, I've been in the cattle business most of my life, and we used to say in the cattle, nothing, no piece of meat was better frozen. And it's the same thing with, with lettuce. No mm-hmm. head of lettuce is better, better if it's five to seven days old or 14 days old before right. you start to consume it yeah. so this the closer to the harvest time that you can have that head of lettuce on your dinner plate uh the better you're going to be relative to the uh, to the nutrient overall value. experience yeah. and the healthy nutrient value of the plant yeah. exactly by the way while we were while we were chatting i did the math on 4.4 million people in the phoenix metropolitan area one head of lettuce per week not two you said the usda said two i figured one right that's yeah. 228 million 800,000 heads of lettuce. You got some work to do yeah, there, so buddy. Yeah, so that's a great 
that that's a great business growth, right? Yeah, so exactly. Have, we, <laughs> exactly. So you know, it'll, it'll be not just my generation; it'll be a couple of them running. Right. You know, and exactly. I think eventually you'll see the Yuma farmers and and those guys getting into, and that's part of our project design, right? We want to be inclusive, not only in delivering to the local community, but because this innovation is recent. We want to invite everybody to participate in it, you know, and grow it. Because look mm-hmm. at the opportunity you just example. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. That's a perfect opportunity. Everybody can have part of that growth in how we change our production of these particular items, right? Yeah. Now each vegetable item that we could grow, besides just the lettuce, for instance, uh-huh. could you know there's huge other demands. I mean, you have you have all kinds of other lettuce other uh leafies even non-flowering plants oh yeah that uh could be could be grown and have demand within the system so there's a lot of flexibility there's a lot of growth there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of local workforce employment now it's not that the forty-five thousand workers that are in yuma in the season when they're producing they're certainly an important workforce but we also think that we're able to, because we have less perishability and a few other things relative to cost, we actually can pay the employees in our environments mm. a little bit more mm-hmm. than an outside field worker. And in addition to that, guess what they're doing? They're working in a 78 degree <laughs> to, or 70 degree temperature yeah. uh, all year round versus, uh, you know, uh, 80 or 90 degrees out in the field for the day. So, so we wow. think the environment relative to the workforce is mm-hmm. going to be uh, significant, and yeah. that's going to create longevity uh, because if your workers are happy, the business runs pretty well. Then. Oh yeah, no kidding. So this is a vertical urban farming concept. Why did you decide to go there? Yeah. So so you know obviously land is is. Uh, you know, we, we, the United States has a, an abundance of land. I mean, we we probably maybe maybe Australia has more surface area as a continent than than we have as a country. But whether or not it's all usable, it's a different thing. But right. we have probably one of the largest arable land resources. So land has always been the target for most of agriculture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happened now is you have a lot of different things going on. You have uh, land that has now uh, for instance Arizona and along the rivers and stuff a lot of that land has has salt build up you know right. from irrigation yep. and it's creating kind of a toxic uh, capability to actually get the kind of productivity that we previously had uh, had experienced in those kinds of you know um, growing systems and so I, I think the, when I looked at it one you know I started with the driver of trying to shorten shorten the distribution cycle, right? right? Again, taking mm-hmm. it from that seven days to 48 hours or so. And that was the first driver that I looked at. The second driver I looked at is, is that I think people need to be connected to their food. I think we've kind of migrated away from uh, who we are relative to our food. We, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I can't worry about farmers because I get my food at the grocery store and <laughs> I love that you know and and I heard that even when I was early on milk and dairy cows yep. I mean, there was a big event there was a big event around dumping milk at the time because of price and 
they interviewed people in New York City and and they said, well, you know, that's really horrible that those farmers have to dump milk, but I get my milk at the grocery store. And um, so, Such you know, an it's incredible. about... It, yeah, that's an yeah, incredible and, and, disconnect. Yeah, and I think the, the millennials, I think the younger generation, certainly social media has helped. It's projected this sense of responsibility around the type of food we want to consume, yeah. the quality of food that we want to consume, the safety of food that we want to consume. And all those things are major drivers. Uh-huh. I experienced that in my previous uh, tenure as the head of American Humane Association's Humane Farm Animal Care Program. And, uh, you know, the we, we experienced the total transition of agriculture in looking at how we care for animals. Not, again, that we were trying to care for animals poorly, right. but we just needed a re-education on oh, how yeah. we were going to uh-huh. care from it, for animals going forward. Mm-hmm. And we were able to create a tremendous program in humane care that now does over 1.3 billion animals a year uh, under animal audit every year where those farmers are participating in a third party observation of their oh, wow. of their of their farming practices Beautiful. And, and asking for somebody on the outside to tell them do I need a little correction here or do I need a little correction there and that's translated into you know consumer buying trends that really are saying now with eggs for instance we want cage free eggs retailers are asking for cage-free eggs. We see the same trends in urban farming. We we think that consumers right now are demanding fresher products. Consumers are demanding more nutritious products. They want less pesticides and less herbicides. Uh, I won't get into some of the particulars, but there's some really challenging things that are currently uh, affecting herbicide use, for instance. And so consumers are really saying, you know, when it comes to our food, we want pure food. We Mm -hmm. want just the food. You grow it, you harvest it, you put it on my plate, i.e. our name of our company being Pure Harvest. Every harvest we do is going to be pure. And so it's going to be raised with the best organic nutrients under the best lighting conditions for the plant's humane environment, basically, given the plant the the best ability to ex- express its genetic uh, makeup as a as a plant, mm-hmm. and uh, and then harvest it without any any additions to it, and bring it to the consumer. And uh, we think that's going to be a trend that's going to continue oh, uh, right yeah. across the board, all yep. of agriculture. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus, we put it right in the middle of the city, and it's there to harvest and get to people right away. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and, and the nice thing with us is I deployed the largest amount of video monitoring in the oh, in the animal nice. production right. side of agriculture and we're, we're going to have video monitoring in our production system so you could go online and watch a head of lettuce grow <laughs> if, if that excites you so uh, you know it, you it, it, it's uh it would you know, ex- but you'll the, huge transparency will come yeah. with the system you'll know everything yeah. we're doing it, it, that would excite me if i could watch it in super fast motion you know yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It might get a little boring exactly. to watch it over <laughs> over two weeks. <laughs> so I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. 
Yeah, so, you know, being 63 years of age, I think we all have our challenges in life, and mm-hmm. some have been, uh, some of our adventures have been successful, some have not. Oh, yeah. I think my biggest disappointment in life was, is I, I helped discover basically the control mechanism for muscle growth in, in uh, all mammals, and particularly in cattle. And we were launching a vertical program, much like the vegetable program, but it was right at the time when the SNL crisis hit. Oh, yeah. And uh, in all startups, the biggest single issue on a startup enterprise <laughs> is undercapitalization. Yep. And so we hit at a time where my business partner at the time had a big loss due to the SNL, and he couldn't fund the final constructions of our uh, processing facility. And uh, we ended up having to close that coal project down. We lost uh, many millions of dollars. And, and that probably was my biggest disappointment because mm. it was really well thought out. It was ready to go to market. Mm-hmm. But we just, outside circumstances around capital, just, uh, uh, just uh, stopped us from getting there. What Fortunately, with this project, mm-hmm. we have just uh, we've been working hard, really, on capital formation, and we we've created a really good capital pool, and uh, so we're ready to go to market here soon. We'll we'll probably be in market starting the first of uh, starting the first of uh, August. Uh, it'll take us about twelve weeks and twelve to fifteen weeks, and we'll be in the marketplace. Wow! So that's like right now. Right around the corner. Right around yeah, the corner. We're excited. Yeah, this is a very exciting time. We're wow, very excited. Fantastic. So your takeaway then, I, I hear your takeaway from that, and I'll put it in quotes, failure, um, was to be more uh, financially sound up front because it sounds like this project is funded and you're ready to go. Yeah, I think that's, you know, if I can tell you anything I've done, this this project's evolution has been about two years now here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. And the biggest part of that time that I spend is capital formation. And it's been a hard thing to sell, Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest, even though it may be logical to you and it may be logical (laughs) to me and maybe 90% of your your listeners. When it comes to capital, capital anymore is really just interested in what's my return, what's my risk, and how soon can I get all my money back. So, you know, you just have to redesign your thinking to, to deal and, and respect the capital you're bringing into a project. And, and there's been some failures in hydroponics. Just oh, yeah. recently, for instance, as the market starts to mature, there was just a $22 million failure in, in San Francisco. There was a $15 million failure in a project in Atlanta just, uh, wow. just the other day. And there's many more failures. Uh, and so... You know, you always have to be, in agriculture, it's always, I mean, we, we, we get used to, I've been in ag all my life, so you get used to boom and bust relative oh, yeah. to revenues. Right. But uh, one of the big things with agriculture is don't be underfunded if you're in agriculture. <laughs> you know, get well-funded. So you're yeah. right. That's my takeaway. Yeah. So what do you consider your biggest success? You know, I think my biggest success probably is American Humane's. Uh, I brought all yeah. of my uh, my knowledge into that nonprofit and worked with a phenomenal team. I was able to put together there, and again, the the organization provided all the seed capital to develop the audit program. That audit program started when I took over with about a million animals under a 
about a 40-page paperwork audit on each farm and about uh, 120 days for corrective action reports to go back to the farmers, which I said to everybody, my God, the the birds will be dead by the time we get them, tell them what they need to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, we changed all that so that now they do corrective actions almost immediate on the exit interview. And today, eight years later or so, that program does 1.3 billion animals under animal audit and uh, from a million animals only eight years ago. Nice. So, uh, you know, I take, uh, I take a lot of credit in the vision and the mm-hmm. design and the, in the early management of that company or that, that project, that division of American Humane. It's a great right. organization. And, uh, so we kept a mission, but, but I really, uh, you know, I would it. say in my, yeah. my career, plus my teaching career, I think I made great strides early on in teaching and my probably the, software development that I did and the training curriculums that I did around computer use. But there's been a lot of great, great times in my life. I can't complain about any part of it, (laughs) even the failures for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So what drives you? Yeah, I I think my drive is, uh, you know, I've been in agriculture all my life. I'm 63 years old. I want to bring more farmers to agriculture, uh-huh. and I think the best way to excite new farmers in agriculture is urban living and urban farming. Yeah. So if you can, you know, if you can allow farmers to be involved in agriculture, and I think it's right across the board, uh, where you have more farmers involved and engaged in producing the food they eat and their neighbors eat, that's what drives me every day, bringing yeah. more good food to uh, the community that right. is consuming it. And you know, we're growing to 9 billion people by uh, 2050 is what yeah. they're telling us. And, and over and, half of them uh, live in the city. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're exactly correct. That's where all the action is. Yeah. And for good reason, right? Everybody wants a cell phone. They want to go out to a bar uh-huh. on a Friday night or whenever. Right. And, you know, they want a life that's a little uh, less committed as the old, you know, we, I grew up in on a farm, right, out right. in the countryside. Yeah. So, so I'm not uh, saying I didn't like that lifestyle, but, but it's a different lifestyle now, and we need to engage people in the food they consume, and this yeah. is the best way to keep them engaged. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. So what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, I would say, I certainly would say to everybody, you know, get involved in urban agriculture uh, any way you can. You know, join your local community support systems. You know, we're part, a member of the Maricopa County Food Coalition, uh, which is a great, a great, yeah, yeah, a great place to go and listen to everybody's views on 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 the problems of food in Mm -hmm. Maricopa County. Mm And, and I think, you know, get engaged in that. If you want to be a local farmer, and certainly, you know, you can always contact us. We have single, single growing systems with one uh, complete turnkey unit up to, up to the 7 million head a year facility. So wow. we've got any scale you want, and we would invite anybody from any community, uh, from your listeners that's interested in local food, we can give them the most efficient system going and help them to get started but but get involved in urban agriculture that's yeah. the 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 future of uh, of our agricultural production and uh it's again not that we're going to 
still not have to have field crop production and grains and all the rest. Uh, but there's in this category, there's just a lot of need for it, as you explained. Uh, yeah. We've got a lot of growth ahead of us. Yeah, that is for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Tim. It's been a treat getting to chat with you. That's great, and you can always get a hold of us Perfect. at at urbanorganicveggie.com. Urbanorganicveggies.com, perfect. And an email address, or just go there? Info at urbanorganicveggie.com. Perfect. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for all your great information. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Decades ago, I started growing food in my front and backyard, and I realized that my mission in life is to inspire and empower others to grow their own nutrient-dense, healthy, organic food. Because of this, a lot of people have come to me with their gardening questions over the years, and that got me thinking, what if we put together a community that would help budding gardeners blossom? So I finally made the idea a reality with my Urban Farm U member program. Each month, your membership includes three live online events, a monthly class, a chit-chat with an expert, and a monthly coaching session, plus access to the experts on our member page and a significant discount on our signature courses. I'm deeply committed to transforming our global food system, and I do this by empowering you to grow your own food. The Urban Farm Membership Program is a simple way to get going. Please join me in transforming your food system today. To learn more, go to urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. That's urbanfarmmembership.org or text membership to 33444. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, Hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago. Then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's denalicanning.com forward slash free.